0: The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something special. This episode is brought to you by visit Williamsburg
1: in Williamsburg, Virginia. There's never too much of a good thing.
0: Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker,
1: you'll find what you came for here. more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Rainmaker
0: FM. Hey there, and welcome back to The Writer Files. I am your host, Kelton Reed and this week the author of the captivity memoir the desert in the sea 977 days captive on the somali pirate coast michael scott moore joined me to talk about his fascinating journey as a writer how he wrote his harrowing and detailed memoir and why it's changed him as a writer and a person michael is an investigative journalist novelist and author of a critically acclaimed folk history of surfing sweetness and blood named a book of the year by the economist in 2010 The author traveled to the Horn of Africa in 2012 while researching piracy along the coast of Somalia when he was abducted and held captive for over two and a half years for an initial ransom of $20 million. In this riveting personal account of that experience chronicled in The Desert and the Sea, Mike deftly examines the history of piracy, religious extremism, geopolitical factors, and his own dark humor and humanity to capture what reviewers called a harrowing and affecting account of captivity at the hands of Somali pirates. His story, described as a Catch-22 meets Black Hawk Down, has been featured on NPR's All Things Considered, Fresh Air, The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, CBS This Morning, The Joe Rogan Experience, and many others. The author has covered the European migration crisis for Business Week, and politics, travel, and literature for The Atlantic, New Republic, The New York Times, and the LA Review of Books. In this file, Mike and I discuss how the author was able to write about his lengthy and traumatic time as a hostage, why the discipline of taking handwritten notes is so important for retention, how memory shapes stories so deeply why Mike recorded everything he could remember as quickly as he could once he was freed, how the author found an existential detachment in order to stay sane and survive, and why revision is the scaffolding that allows for inspiration. Stay tuned. The Writer Files is brought to you by my friends at copyblogger.com. Words that work. Build your online authority with powerfully effective content marketing. Get superior content marketing education, so you can build a remarkable online presence. Authors, bloggers, journalists, online publishers, and entrepreneurs, head over to copyblogger.com to learn more. That's copyblogger.com. And if you're a fan of the writer files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published. And leave us a rating or a review over on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. Okay, welcome back to The Writer Files. I am excited today to have a very esteemed guest who is taking time out of his uh, busy schedule to wrap with us on The Writer Files. Michael Scott Moore is uh, joining me today. Hi, Calvin. Hey, man. Thanks so much for agreeing to do this. I know know you've got uh, lots on your slate. You're still promoting this fantastic book and
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm actually, I'm in Brooklyn and I'm going to be talking to um, William Finnegan tonight, actually.
0: That must be exciting. Are you? uh,
1: Yeah, it's it's really exciting. Yeah. I can't wait to meet him.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I would love to, maybe for listeners who aren't familiar with your background as a writer, maybe catch us up a little bit on your origins. I know you've done travel journalism, adventure journalism, this Mm -hmm. uh, fantastic kind of travelogue and history of of surfing and mm-hmm. quite a bit of, uh, reportage. And of course you've written fiction. You, you are now doing the rounds for this, this memoir. Uh, mm-hmm. maybe catch us up a little bit on, on how you got here.
1: Sure. No, my, yeah, you're right. My first book was fiction. It was a novel called too much of nothing. It was sort of a satire of Los Angeles and which is where I grew up. And, um, the, the next book I published was, a tr- sort of folk history of surfing um, that came about only because I had moved to Germany, where you wouldn't expect to find surfing, um, and I did. And so the the fact that I'd grown up in a, a town where surfing arrived in America made me wonder how it arrived in Germany. And a, a sort of travel book developed out of that. Oh, yeah. And um, while I was working on that, I, I learned quite a bit about pirate history. And at the same time, I was working at uh, Spiegel Online, um, which is a newsroom in Berlin. And um, I was covering the Somali pirate story when it started. And when a a trial came to Germany, um, that sort of put me over the edge in terms of getting myself involved in the Somali pirate story.
0: Yeah, and it's an incredible story. How you got swept into the story is is the uh, most compelling piece of it. But the desert and the sea, 977 days captive on the Somali pirate coast, is this uh really really fascinating you know your recounting of uh this harrowing harrowing story and how mm-hmm. uh, you became a piece of it so you know i think you know you i know you've been making the rounds you've, you've been on npr and uh the daily show and uh cbs this morning and you keep having to re recount this mm-hmm. this awful awful uh thing but there's something about it that's so compelling um Kind of how you, I don't know how you came to reckon with with uh, not only kind of the the life of these these kind of awful people, um, but you know how you came to forgiveness and how you came to almost like a Buddhist state of mind um, to you know dealing with two and a half plus years of being mm-hmm. in captivity, and yeah. then of course you're writing it and having to relive, which I'm sure is. A story in of itself of how you dealt with—I don't know—I'm I'm super curious to know just how you made sense of it all.
1: Well, writing it was one way I dealt with it. So right, writing it was cathartic, and I, oh. I don't think I would have been able to speak so fluently about it without having written the book. You know. Yeah. So yeah. that—that's the—that's the first thing. Um, the 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 book. Uh, it took at least two and a half years to write. So just about as much time as I spent in Somalia yeah. and it's now a totally of four years since I got out,
0: you know, amazing. So I think the best place probably to, to find most of, uh, Mike's writing is on, on his website there, radio Dot net. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find, um, his novel, The Surfing Travelog, Sweetness and Blood, and of course, The Desert and the Sea. Mm-hmm. And then quite a bit of your journalism, these great interviews that you've been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you're on Twitter also.
1: That's true. Yeah. Twitter and Instagram.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, what, uh, what are you working on presently? Are you, are you back to journalism? Or are you turning your focus to something completely different?
1: Yes, a little of both. So in Somalia, I started a novel, so I'm still working on that novel, and I hope to have um, at least a draft of it done by the end of this uh, year to, mm-hmm. to show some people. And then uh, in the meantime, I'm also working on some, I, I have been working on some journalism. I, I published a long piece in Bloomberg Businessweek a year or so ago that involved Somalis on the migrant trail towards Europe. Um, while I was still living in Berlin, that was obviously a hot issue, and I, I found out some a way into that story that was not totally unrelated to my case and i i'm also um working on a long piece about um the trial of three guys in kansas who actually wanted to blow up a community of somalis over there oh my and um they've been convicted but not yet sentenced so when the sentencing happens then i'll be able to publish this long piece that i've been working on for a about a year and a half, as a matter of fact.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Well, the book is fantastic. I definitely encourage listeners to uh, seek it out if they haven't found it already. Um, the desert and the sea, 977 days captive on the Somali pirate coast. Clearly, uh, we know how the book ends because you're, 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 <laughs> you're home. I'm here. <laughs> you're here. I made it We're speaking. <laughs> um, thank God. Um, but, uh, yeah. So let's talk about, um, you know, I think I'm most interested in how you wrote this book, uh, in particular, because, you know, you, you, you talk about in the book having access to writing materials and then not, and that, you know, because they're constantly shuffling you around between these different, uh, pirate, um, locales where they where they hide out how did you how did you remember so many amazing details
1: well at first i thought i wasn't i mean uh, the way i wrote my second book sweetness and blood was to take notes all the time you know not not to go to sleep without having taken a uh, notes detailed notes on the day I had just spent in whatever country I was, and so that's how I was going about the Somalia book too uh, w- my My partner Ashwin and I were in Somalia as f- free men for about ten days before Ashwin took off yeah. um, and I had taken about a hundred pages of notes um, during that sort of brief time um, and about three hundred and fifty photographs so to to have lost that after the pirates captured me. Um, was sort of devastating, and in the first few months, I tried to tried to take notes again. I got my hands on a notebook while I was in a, sort of a prison house, and I let the guards give me a pen too, and sort of hid from them a little bit and mm-hmm. took notes on what was going on. And eventually, those notes got confiscated, and I sensed that afterwards that some of the no, some of the men got punished for what I'd written in the notes because hmm. one of them had even told me the name of the boss that captured me and that kind of thing. Um, so writing down the notes was obviously a way of learning things about what I was going through um, and also retaining them. I mean, once I wrote them down, I was able to memorize a few things, including that boss's name. Um, hmm. But I really wanted almost the whole time I was there, or at least for the for, during the first year, to be taking notes all the time. And it was frustrating that I couldn't.
0: So, um, yeah, so you learned, you, you kind of ta- ta- uh, trained yourself in kind of some tr- tricks of memory and squirreling away <laughs> paper and pens. And, and so, so when you were finally freed, mm. um, d- did you, were you, did you have notebooks with you at that point?
1: I did, but there's, so there's, there's more to the story because within those first few months, the pirates, so they, they confiscated my notes. They placed me on board, um, a ship that the gang had, had hijacked. Um, and I, I lived aboard that ship for the summer of 2012, um, almost six months. And on that ship, I started to take notes again. I think I started to take notes about what was going on. And then those, those notes got, got confiscated, you Uh know, so by the time I got off the ship and they dragged me back onto land and kept me in prison houses, um, I knew well enough not to, um, not to take notes about what was going on. But I also had gotten to know about 30 different hostages who were the crew of that ship. And they were from all all different places in East Asia. So learning their names and learning to spell their names was also kind of a discipline on the ship. And at least I had some cardboard to write, write that stuff down on without that stuff. Um, when I was back on land, it became a discipline for me to memorize their names, and that was one of the things I kept my mind occupied with while I was there, um, kind of alone in those prison houses. Right, right. Was to remember their names and remember how to spell them, um, and I I went through a few exercises like that, including writing some books in my head or or revising some older books in my head um, until I had a whole. Uh, regime in the morning of two or three hours of stuff that I could just memorize and stuff that I had to recite back to myself. And that's one way I kept my mind occupied. Um, and it's one way I, I memorized those names. Um, in, in the end, once I got back and started to write the book, I did get a ship's manifest. So I had something to refer to. Oh, that's great. Um, but I think I spotted a spelling error in the, <laughs> so, you know, I, I had to check afterwards, but, um, you know, it wasn't all memory, but, um, those, those games I played with myself just to keep myself sane. Um, those sort of memory exercises were, um,
0: were really important. Do you feel like you, you still can use that, that those, uh, those moments today as a writer, do you feel like you came away with some kind of inner strength or peace from, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but did you come well, away with something as a writer that you didn't have before?
1: I I think definitely, but it's not strictly about memory. Uh, so first of all, when I got out, I, I did remember a lot more than I thought I was going to remember. So when I sat down to write the book, even without very many notes, and I'll explain why I didn't have too many notes when I got out, I, I could remember enough to have at least the draft of, of a book. And when you start to work through those memories, a lot more comes up than you realize you had. You know? mm-hmm. So, if I had had detailed notes, if I'd been able to walk out of Somalia with a, a lot of, um, dialogue and, and stuff like that, then the book would be that much sharper and that much more, uh, maybe that much more unusual. You know, I, I think, um, you, you shape a book based on the material you, you have. And so I shaped this one based on what I could remember, uh, for the most part, Yeah, which was enough, you know, which was enough for a pretty long book. And I, I boiled down the draft, I'm sure. but, uh, but I still th- you know, just as a writer, I still think, well, what if I had taken down every interesting conversation I remember having? And what if I could even understand all the Somalia, the guards were, were sort of uttering around me, the amount of material I didn't have and couldn't put in the book still sort of, you know, weighs on me.
0: <laughs> hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, no, I'm sure. So when you get back and you're free, do you start writing immediately? Um, or do you have to kind of decompress?
1: Yeah. The, so all the things that I still had in my head, all the things that I had memorized, um, if I hadn't already written them down in a notebook, then I typed them into my computer as quickly as I could. So I didn't have to you know, go through that two or three hour process every morning in Berlin when I was free. Yeah. But um, I did... Uh, also, I have notebooks in the last year or so of, of captivity. I got my hands on some notebooks again, and um, instead of writing notes about what was going on, I started a novel, and that's the novel I'm working on now. With the, the current book, the memoir, I I didn't start it right away. Um, I was I did start thinking about it more seriously, but I um, don't think I started it until a few a few months later. I mean, I, the first thing I did actually was write a long feature. Um about ten thousand words about what had happened mm-hmm. uh, for the for the guardian long read and that came out in mid two thousand and fifteen and um then i after that i got i sat down and started working on the on the book in earnest yeah. so i yeah, I did give myself a little bit of a break but um you know the first version of the story i told i I didn't even write down. I told it to the FBI. (laughs) I was debriefed by the Americans and the Germans when I got out. I'm also a German citizen. So the German BKA and the American FBI were gracious enough to debrief me together so I wouldn't have to do it twice. Um, And and I sat for three weeks and gave them the story from front to back. So that also helped um, revive some memories in my mind for Mm -hmm. the moment when I I sat down to think about the book.
0: Interesting, interesting. Did they give you, did they, did they let you, you said they let you share the notes or? They, sh- <laughs> they did not. You mean the transcript of what you yeah, said?
1: Right. Once I, once I uttered it, that
0: whole report
1: became evidence to the FBI in an oh, active investigation and they would not share with me the transcript. <laughs> oh, and I asked them.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure. Um, Yeah, that's that's kind of a heartbreaking piece, but uh, you got the story, um, and it's an amazing story. Um, Heartbreaking, heart wrenching at times. Just the uh, the abuses you suffered, and then the moments of you have moments of uh, humor, and yet very dark humor, gallows humor, if you will. Yeah, Um, yeah, it's
1: it's impossible to be. um, I've said this before, but it's impossible to be angry 24 hours a day, and it's it's impossible to have a completely bleak life. Twenty-four hours a day, as yeah. bleak it was in Somalia So, the so the story is sort of is leavened with with some of those moments, I guess.
0: Yeah, and that absurdity that that you that you know, or that we've kind of likened to the Catch Twenty Two piece of it, right? Um, right. And then uh, obviously the, the you know, there's a political piece and a speak eloquently about uh, the religious stuff. I th- I found fascinating, kind of your epiphanies and and uh almost buddhist like uh realizations about mm-hmm. you know you're musing on some axis very existential moments where you mm-hmm. think you're going to die yeah uh, no, it
1: was it was very elemental and yeah. that that's actually so if if you ask how it changed me that's that's probably more than anything to do with memory it's it's probably closer to that because mm-hmm. i related some of the methods of survival to some of the you know, techniques of a writer. So in other words, after a certain period, I had to stop hoping that I would get out alive, That's right. which meant releasing myself from that cycle of of hope and despair that that became actually detrimental to my mental health. So I couldn't hope that I was going to get out without being devastated that I was not out in whatever time frame, two weeks or a month, whatever Mm -hmm. the pirates tried to tease me with sure so i learned to detach myself from that and that sense of detachment became very important um and uh it's when i did have a pen and paper to write with i noticed that happening naturally anyway so in other words that detachment was part of the discipline of writing and that's one reason that writing helped uh, when i could um helped me you know keep my mind together
0: yeah yeah keep your sanity in a You know, and and otherwise, just crazy, crazy um, circumstances and violent yeah. the violence. And you talk about the entropy and the horror and yeah, the, how hypocrisy is the keystone of civilization. I kind of right. latched, latched onto that and <laughs> honor among thieves. But you know, I mean, it's just it's just like it's <laughs> honor just, among thieves. Yeah. Yeah. No th- honor. <laughs> no honor among thieves. Um, there is there is just such an absurdity to it. And that to, to to think that this is a, a lifestyle that uh, um, these Somali pirates, uh, you know, they just they have some dedication, clearly. <laughs> to, yeah. Uh,
1: well, the the ones that were guarding us, anyway. Um, you, you, you know, when you belong to a pirate gang, you have to do what you're ordered. I mean, the whole thing is ruled by violence, so they didn't have much choice.
0: <laughs> right, right, and uh, of course, they many of them are addicted to. Uh, cot, which is uh, a narcotic that you say in the book, uh, some of them have like a $600 a day or, uh, Uh, no, not per
1: day, but per month, per month, Um, $600 a month. Every single pirate I met was addicted to cot. I think there's no question about that. Um, I didn't meet a single one who seemed to be free of it. Um, Mm -hmm. and they needed this pile of leaves to chew actually the stems they chew, but this, they would sit in front of this pile of leaf. Every afternoon and a bundle like that would cost maybe 20 bucks. And so 20 bucks a day in Somalia is a ruinous habit. That's $600 a month. And that's, like I said, at some point in the book, that's, that's rent in like a cheap Western city, you know, Yeah.
0: well today as a uh journalist and a a fictionist um are you pretty uh are you you a daily writer or do you schedule blocks of chunks of time to get words down uh do you do a word count
1: uh yeah i well it depends what i'm doing so if i am trying to put down draft then i do i i try to hit a word count on it you know on a daily basis um but if i if i'm editing what i've just written down then i try and edit so and so many pages per day mm-hmm. um that works better than setting out a block of time but if if i do set out a block of time then i at least know that i've got that time to focus on what i'm writing and, and then i can do some other pressing things afterwards you know and it helps to break up the day into those blocks
0: Yeah. For sure do you listen to music while you write
1: not always um most of the time i find it distracting but uh Yeah. Sometimes either, um, it, you know, the fewer lyrics, the better if if I've got it on while I write. So
0: jazz or classical. Nice, nice. How do you beat procrastination?
1: Um, but so by setting those goals that, that really helps, uh, setting up that structure, you know, that, that doesn't mean that inspiration is going to strike, but it does mean that you're going to set down some basic material that you can go and revise. And sometimes it's in the revision that, that inspiration comes so that discipline is very important it's like a scaffolding for the rest of the work
0: uh let's talk about creativity for a minute um before we share any advice to your fellow scribes how do you define creativity you think now as a writer
1: um i i try not to as a matter of fact (laughs) in fact when i try to think about what constitutes creativity or what constitutes talent i i sort of run around in circles so um i i actually try not to but i i th- i think that the 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 first thing that sets sets me going on a, on a project um and gets me excited about it tends to be an idea mm. um whether it's an idea about the material itself or about the form it should take so um the kernel of every book is an idea and i actually talk about that in the desert and the sea i, I went to somalia because i had this big fucking idea for a book and that got me into trouble. So I'm a little more careful about my ideas now.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, you did talk about that and, uh, how the kind of the surf book, right. Set you on this, uh, travel adventure kick and then, and then you had the, the pirate story just kind of floating around in your head.
1: Yeah, I got very used to traveling in in uh, third world
0: or da- or sometimes
1: dangerous countries, and that be that became an addiction in itself. I think.
0: Interesting, interesting. Um you got a couple of favorite uh, authors sitting on your nightstand right now, or ones you want to share? Well, obviously, I, <laughs> I,
1: I, I so Dennis Johnson is obviously one of my favorite writers, um, and Paul Bowles. Uh, I I was sort of smitten with him when I first got out of college. And his descriptions of Morocco are one reason I went to Morocco in the first place. Um, uh, I happen to love uh, Saul Bellow and Iris Murdoch, um, but I don't don't try and emulate them, I don't think. Um, They they have these grand, sort of shadowy canvases of prose um, that that are simply different from the way I write. Um, I also like, I mentioned him in The Desert and the Sea, but I, I love Derek Walcott as a poet. Um, I, he reaches something that that a lot of other poets quote, quote, don't quite. Um, and just, I used to be a theater critic, and one of my favorite playwrights was George Bernard Shaw. So whenever I hmm. need a jolt of something, I I read uh, either George Bernard Shaw or Mark Twain. I find, I, I think they're both hilarious.
0: <laughs> very nice, very nice. All right, uh, one fun one before we uh, wrap up here. If you could choose one author from any era an all-expense-paid dinner to your favorite spot, who would you take and where would you take them?
1: <laughs> That's a really good question. I I don't know. Uh, I'm sure that the, any answer to that question would change from day to day. But I think I'd like to... Ha- so when I got out of Somalia, I went to my favorite Mexican restaurant with an FBI agent who was driving me back and forth. I think I'd like to go to that mexican spot in berlin with mark twain and see what he thinks yeah. because it was so weird to be there with a guy in a you know in a suit who clearly looked like a fed i think it'd be interesting, <laughs> you know mark twain dressed in his suit and see what everybody thinks
0: right, yeah nice, nice. <laughs> okay why don't we wrap up with any advice you want to uh toss out for your for your fellow writers and just how to keep going
1: so that's scaffolding idea for just structure to take you to Someplace that's that's inspired is is the the best idea. the The other idea is, of course, you know, the ideas themselves are inspiration, but you have to be very careful about them.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, the book is uh, truly, truly amazing. Thank you. It is a. Uh, are you calling it a a, ca- a captivity memoir or? Um,
1: uh, well, it's definitely a memoir of captivity. I, I guess a journalistic memoir because it's personal yeah. too. But um, I, I try to be rigorous about my reporting about Somalia.
0: Yeah, yeah. While it is uh, deeply affecting, I found it to be pretty amazing. And, and kudos for the work. And and Thank uh, you. and uh, we're happy to have you back. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and thanks for doing this uh, with us today. And I uh, um, hope you come back uh, again and promote something else in the future.
1: I'd love to. Thank thanks, Colin.
0: Thanks so much for joining me on another tour of the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or review to help other writers find us. For more episodes or to leave a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you soon.